I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is no stranger to our show, the co-artistic director, executive director, and harpsichordist for Melomany, Tracy Richardson. Hello, Paul. I'm glad to be back. Oh, so glad to have you here. Now, we're going to be talking uh, sort of broader brush strokes today, going all the way back to the beginnings of Melomany, uh, and and then bring, bring you up to the current time and where you fit into the cultural scene of Delaware. But let's go back to those roots 26 years ago, right? Yes, it seems like just yesterday, but it was 26 years ago when I met Kim, Kimberly Rayleigh, the other uh, co-artistic director, and she's a flutist, and she plays the Baroque flute and the modern flute, and we met, um, and we decided that we would meet once a week at my house, because that's where the harpsichord is, mm-hmm. to read Baroque music. And we did. And at the time, you know, uh, well, it was, a, it was quite a long time ago. And so we did that. And then we thought, well, all right, we're doing this. And so let's add a cellist. And of course, that was her husband, Douglas McNames. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, thought, we thought, well, let's have some concerts and we'll just, you know, because we, we have a lot of music anyway. So we started having a concert series. And, mm-hmm. you know, along the way, there have been various other members. For instance, at one time, we had another, a second flutist, Tom Moore. We had the oboist, Tim Clinch. Um, Fran Burge, different people along the way. And then, you know, maybe people move or they just go on to something else or whatever it is. And so this is kind of the natural life of of ensembles. Right now we have a five-member ensemble. They are, of course, Kimberly Rayleigh, the flutist, mm-hmm. um, Christoph Richter playing Baroque and modern violins, Donna Fournier, Viola da Gamba, Ismar Gomez, uh, the two kinds of cellos, and of course, I'm the harpsichordist. And um, we've been in, we have been in um, various venues throughout the city uh, throughout time. Now we're at the Delaware Historical Society, preceded by the Delaware Center for the Contemporary Arts, Grace United Methodist downtown, mm-hmm. uh, the Chapel of Westminster Presbyterian, <laughs> the Unitarian Church, and I think originally in the Grand Opera House in the Victorian Parlor, which may not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've been various places. We're not nomadic, but, you know. So you're not wandering minstrel. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> mon- we're, we have too much equipment for that. <laughs> So going back to the beginnings when it was was just you and Kim, I assume there is a pretty robust repertoire for just flute and harpsichord. Oh, it's gigantic. Yes, you can pretty you can't get through it all. And uh, because that's when what they were, you know, the flutist was the flute was the one of the main instruments, along with the strings in the Baroque time. Mm -hmm. And there are so many uh, virtuoso uh, flutists and composers who wrote at the time and published music and were famous. So, you know, scholars throughout the 20th century have been very uh, occupied um, in finding anew these composers and uh, finding the music. And so we get to play it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. <laughs> now, your current mission is presenting provocative pairings of early and contemporary works. Were you and Kim doing that from the very start, or did that evolve over time? No, we did not do that from the very start. Um, we were both playing contemporary music, but not together because, well, we didn't, we just didn't at first. Uh, so along the way, with these various combinations of our um, ensemble, we one time decided, well, let's put in 
um, let's put in a new work and see how it goes. And we had a really good audience reaction. It was, it was, um, it was very enthusiastic, actually. And so we started doing it from time to time. And then we decided, well, actually, since we know how to play Baroque music and contemporary music, and it's kind of, they're, they're sort of different skill sets. So, mm-hmm. and not everybody wants to do it or can do it. Uh, we decided, well, let's see what happens if we just um, make that our mission. And that's what we're doing now. And we've been doing it for about, I think, 15 or so years. Mm-hmm. And we like it. We think it's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, in, in over time, as, you, as musicians have come and gone, and, and most of, all of you have a, a variety of different performance venues, correct? I mean, you're not just melomany musicians. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. Um, people, well, for instance, let's just talk about Kim. She's the principal flutist in the Delaware Symphony, and in another symphony, I think it's the Atlantic Symphony, and she's a professor at Westchester University and a principal flutist in the opera, and so she has all these other things. So people are librarians or teachers or uh, professors or, uh, you know, people who freelance as musicians. So it's always, for musicians, a combination event. Mm-hmm. Now, as you perform in, in different events, you as the harpsichordist, I would assume you're moving from venue to venue is the most challenging. Yes, I think that's probably true. I have the heaviest, <laughs> heaviest item. It's not that heavy. It only weighs about 120 pounds. But I have two men that have been moving it for me for about 20 years and and they just make it happen. So they have a van and they put it in there and it's there when it needs to be. And I like that a lot. But it's, you know, I can't, um, you know, it's it's not just a, a rushing quickly thing for me. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, clearly uh, the harpsichord is, is often associated with the Baroque period. Yes. Uh, is there contemporary music being written with the harpsichord specifically in mind? Well, yes, there is. And there has been since the 20th century revival of Baroque music and, you know, the instruments associated with it, the, the wooden flute, as Kim plays, the harpsichord, the, you know, all kinds of things like the lute and the therabot and the stringed instruments and so forth. So there is a, is a great big body of it and it's continuing to be written. Myself, um, I have um, one of my composers, well, he's my husband, Mark Haggerty, has, um, he and I have had a project over, well, 30 years or 35 years. He has written three clavier books and I've, um, played all of them and recorded them. And so he wrote those for me, and now they're in the world being played by other people, and, and that's good too. And our friend Sergio Roberto de Oliveira from um, uh, Brazil that we have had a, uh, have had a con- uh, collaboration with wrote a piece for me. And before I even had met him, he, um, uh, he'd, he knew of me through one of the ensemble members, Tom Moore, and uh, so he sent me a piece and I played it. Mm-hmm. And it was really a beginning of a of a really interesting and you know vi- vital vitalic vitalic um, mm-hmm. vital mm-hmm. Um, collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now over time, you mentioned you've had different uh, musicians come and go, yes. and it sounds like they have been uh, uh, musicians with different instruments. So, how has that impacted 
uh, the development and the evolution of the repertoire that you've done over time. Well, it does. Exactly right. Uh, When we had the, well, it does. Uh, When we have an oboist, um, then somebody will write for your oboist. And I don't think when we had, when we were working with Tim Clinch, I don't think we were yet um, commissioning works. So we were finding things from the 20th century that we could all play together. And um, actually, that's a, Another, to me, interesting point that in the 20th century, there was just a lot of chamber music and all kinds of, and solo music being written for all these combos as people got so interested. Yes. So because we have this five member group and it's the, it's a a classic combination that um, one of the Baroque composers, Telemann, always wrote for. He wrote 12 pieces for our five people. Um, so that is what we have. Uh, we have a lot of composers that have written for this, or five of us minus one, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, as you put together a particular program, what are the considerations that you have between the early works and the contemporary works? How do how do you decide, uh, and who decides what pieces? best go together for a particular program? Well, Kim and I, uh, a couple times a year, get uh, well, we communicate often, even though she's we're both very busy, but we communicate a lot. And we know what, you know, we plan maybe two years in advance what the upcoming new pieces will be. So we know what that's going to be, and we know who's going to play in them. And then we also have a in our minds a... Uh, uh, the list of people we'd like to invite guest mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we push that all together on post-it notes and we have a post-it note party. So we, we know that in each concert we have want to have a balance of the new music. We know who we're, gonna, we're going to need to play that. And then we find Baroque music that is associated with that, not thematically, but just um, either will be a good balance in that it's, cheerful if the mm-hmm. other is not cheerful or uh, grave if the other one is is very happy um, uh, and and we try to um, we try to balance it in that way mm-hmm. well there's so much more to talk about but let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on news radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV our guest in the studio today is Tracy Richardson the co-artistic director executive director and harpsichordist for Melomanie uh, Tracy in uh, I'm I, I'd l- like to go down the road of commissioning works what does that process entail I mean how do you um, how do you do you come up with an idea for the type of piece you want and then look for composers or I mean how does that whole process work usually uh, usually we well it's different each time at first we just ask our friends mm-hmm. and you know we we ask the friend and you know you may your list our listeners may not know this but in Delaware we have a great concentration of really excellent composers mm-hmm. I mean we're such a small state but yet here they are mm-hmm. um, and so we would walk up to our friends or they would walk up to us and say um, you know how would you like to write us a piece or I'd like to write you a piece, or I have written you a piece. Occasionally, somebody <laughs> walks up with with a product, and you say, "Well, thank you," and then you mm-hmm. then you you perform it. Mm-hmm. So it's um, usually we um, you sh- 
so at first we asked our friends and then our serif friends widened as as will happen that's mm-hmm. the natural way of things and we kept asking them or they'd ask us uh and and that's how it is uh as for you know somebody like Sergio in Brazil I I oh I guess I told you that we were introduced through a, an ensemble member and then mm-hmm. we met other people through through that connection in Brazil so that's that's how that works. Do you have any, I don't want to put you on the spot, do you have any sense of how many works you've had commissioned from Elamini over the years? I think it's 50. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. And not those aren't all for the full ensemble. Some are for solo, mm-hmm. some are for combos, you know, subsets of us. Uh, but it's it's quite, quite a lot, actually. And uh, we're, we're really, um, we're actually... If you don't mind my saying it, we're really proud of that. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's great, you know, to to offer uh, contemporary composers that opportunity yeah. to create and and hear their work being created. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. There is usually a a big splash for the premiere of a commissioned work. Do you yeah. keep those in your repertoire over time and bring them out again? We do. We love to do that, uh, and we're doing it. Well, we do it almost every season, and it's it's really fun to do because then uh you know as a piece is in your mind but not actively in your mind it maybe comes out two years later five years later it's a changed entity Mm -hmm. and the composers that come and hear their pieces again say that kind of thing too for instance our friend ingrid arauco uh we've played one of her piece well two of her pieces oh i don't know Dozens of times, actually. And she says uh, that they change all the time in the way we're playing them. And other people, just to use her as an example, say that her piece changes in their minds. Because, you know, sometimes the uh, the contemporary works are really, you know, they're 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 difficult. They're mm-hmm. not like a, mm-hmm. a folk song, say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the first time you hear them, you think, well, what, what happened there? Mm-hmm. But as you hear them repeatedly, it's like looking at modern art. You know, you might not, it might not hit you the same way the first time that it will the 10th time. Mm. So it's that kind of thing. And we uh, get more freedom in playing it, playing the things that we repeat. And our audience uh, recognizes them and gets to, gets to have that experience, which is, you know, one of the artistic uh, experiences for anyone, not just a player or, or a creator the person who is looking or hearing or um, they get to experience things and, and it, it just develops in your mind. Now, I'm curious, as you do various works, both the Baroque and the Contemporary, in different venues, how does the venue impact both the, the experience for you as musicians and the impact it has on the audience as the listener? Well, there is an impact. Uh, for instance, uh, for instance, uh, all the musicians talk about if a room has really great acoustics. That means, does the music sound good in the room? Is there a certain bounce or liquidity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in what you hear? And uh, if there's a great deal of, you know, it, you might experience as echo, mm-hmm. then that is difficult to deal with, mm-hmm. but you can. If there's none, if it's there, you know, all carpeted and the room sucks up the oh, sound. Oh, it does. <laughs> I could, I have, well, especially the harpsichord and the gamma were sort of soft and we have a lot of upper partials. Mm-hmm. And some of those rooms, you know, are we playing? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but when you get the right one 
oh, you know, and then there are things like air handling noise. Mm-hmm. If, you know, once we were nowhere, this was not in Delaware, but we were in a in a little school and the air noise was so loud, it was as though a vacuum cleaner was on in the room. <laughs> and so these things all make a, a difference. But the positive difference is when there's an acoustic that you like, it's the music just kind of plays itself and you get to play with the room. Mm-hmm. And it's not a struggle to adapt. It's it's like another friend on board. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to uh, take a look at some of the different opportunities you've had to work with with other organizations, uh, some of the partnerships you's, you've had with various venues. And and I know you've done some kind of creative things. I believe you had a coffee brand that was, wasn't there? I mean, you've had all sorts of really interesting little we do. You know, t- <laughs> tweaks to, to uh, your marketing and your, your exposure. We do. Um, Brandywine Roastery makes a provocative pairings blend for us. And we, you know, it's, it's a delicious ground coffee by one of our local um, our uh, roasteries Mm -hmm. and you know we can give it away or uh, sometimes they make us little packets and maybe on an opening night we give everybody a little packet or we can sell it in the museum sells it in their um, gift shop Mm -hmm. or we can give it away as gifts or as thank yous Mm -hmm. and you know the it's really really nice Uh, one of our former uh, board members thought of it because she was friends with the owners and uh it's it's really been fun to have our coffee connection. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're we're hoping we're hoping, and one of our board members is working on a brewery. We hope to have a Melamani brew. Oh, uh-huh. So let's find out what that mm-hmm. goes. You know where that goes. We've done all kinds of things. You know, um, of course, our major. You know, always we're collaborating with with our composers, and as I said, there are, are many here in Delaware. Um, and and last year we had the most. It, w- it was just a very beautiful, interesting collaboration with the Twin Poets. Um, as you know, they are Delaware's poets laureate, mm-hmm. and they are the twin brothers, Al Mills and Anamdi Chukwotka. Um, and they are poets, obviously twin poets, and they do spoken word poetry uh, about all kinds of issues from our modern lives. They're both veterans, and so some of the poetry is about that experience. And so, uh, well, I called them up one day, <laughs> more than a year, a couple of years ago, and I told them who we were and sent them sent them some of our music, and they uh, came over and talked to us, and uh, we cooked up uh, a collaboration so that. Uh, one of our composers, well, it was Mark Haggerty, wrote music for some of their poems. Mm-hmm. It's a different um, experience to do that, I understand, from talking to the composer, um, than uh, writing music, uh, even if you're setting a text for an opera singer, for mm-hmm. instance. It's, it's mm-hmm. just very different, because you don't want to interfere with their poetry. You want to, uh, you know... Uh, it, well, their poetry doesn't need anything. It, it stands mm-hmm. alone beautifully. Right. So you don't want to interfere and you want to try to add whatever it is. It's that, sort of a contextual piece. Yes. In the, yeah. Thank you. Ba- backing up the poetry. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. Because honestly, they don't, yeah. their poetry doesn't need anything anew. So you better, you better add something that's worthwhile. <laughs> Otherwise, why are you here? <laughs> so I think, I mean, they told us that they really did like the music mm-hmm. and we did. And it was a different experience for us because the composer didn't just write a piece and we learned all the notes. It was more modular and we 
and there was a lot of timing and um, some degree of improvisation and involved. And this is a this is very different. Usually we have a, a score and we study it and we rehearse and we argue and we collaborate with each other and then we play it. But mm-hmm. this was this was very different and it was uh, really fun. And we didn't, you know, one of the poems, the main poem, wasn't ready till. Uh, the very last rehearsal. Mm. <laughs> yes, so that was interesting. And anyway, it, it went went fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And the music wasn't really ready for us until about a month before. So it was, it was, uh, it was. Uh, I won't wouldn't want to say it was spontaneous, but it was more. It was just a different thing. It was really fun. Right. So we've enjoyed that, and we've made a video. Uh, we've made videos of these um, uh, uh, poems and music collaborations, and. Pretty soon, any any day now, they're going to be out on YouTube. So please look for them. Great. And your uh, your website is org. Yes. And we've got about 90 seconds left. Uh-huh. So just uh, take uh, quickly, talk about what you're doing your, your, the rest of your season this year. All right. We're having our se- season, our series at the Delaware Historical Society um, on Market Street. A great, uh, there are two great rooms with really great acoustics. And coming up is our collaboration called An Anthology of Improvisation Through Time, and it's with the Jonathan Whitney Project, a jazz quintet led by Jonathan Whitney, the composer and percussionist. So he's combining his five-piece band with our five-piece ensemble, and we're going to have our 10-piece big band thing there. And we don't have a shred of music yet, but we're really happy about it. April 7, that will be at the Delaware um, Historical Society, and then at the end of the season in May, we'll have our brunch and concert there at the museum, and that will introduce Suzanne Sorkin's new piece, uh, A Slip of Light Remains, and a um, reprise of uh, Ricky Bel Castro's piece, Budleja Davidi, and there will be really good food. Great. Nothing like combining food with music. Yes. <laughs> Tracy Richardson, it's been a pleasure having you with us today talking about Melomanie. Thank you, Paul.